Hello, everyone, uh, and welcome to another episode of the Tomato Timer, where we have a really interesting guest, which we've been trying to coordinate for a while now. It's really good to have you on, Salam. She's the co-founder of Chainmaker, and she is currently studying an international business administration degree uh, in the Netherlands. And she has a really interesting journey uh, and a really passionate story about gender inequality and how to how we can kind of work towards a world where there it doesn't exist. So it's really, really amazing to have you, Salam. How are you? Thank you so much, Sabira. Um, I, I think, yes, we've been coordinating for a while, but I'm really happy that finally we made it and we're here. Um, it's, a, it's a bit broad to say that I'm fighting for gender equality. Hope, hopefully we will, uh, we will uh, get to that, but it's, mm -hmm. uh, it's really um, an exciting and tough journey. Absolutely. So I'd love to kick us off with just trying to understand a little bit more uh, of what Changemakers does. Um, what was the idea that sparked it and, and what are the kind of activities that you conduct? Yeah. Um, so uh, first Changemakers started um, in 2016 and the way it started was actually very, very spontaneous. Um, we were um, just late uh, on a working day um, in the office, my best friend and I, um, a few other colleagues, and then uh, we were just chatting. And um, uh, at that time, we used to work at the UNFPA, United Nations Population Fund in Syria. And we were having this kind of little um, chat in the evening with the representative, and he was like, his, he also shares a lot of um, uh, inspirational thoughts about gender equality, enabling girls, empowering them um, to fulfill their potential. So he was like, what can we do to, um, to allow more girls in Syria um, be like girls who code? So he just mentioned girls who code. And he was like, I would be really happy if I leave Syria. Um, and this project is already in the making. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, my best friend and I, we were just going back home. But that, of course, stayed in our heads. So, you know, when you're young, you're so passionate, you're so excited. There is never there is never a moment where you hear a word and you just forget about it. So we kept talking about this. We kept thinking about it. And then um, also at that time, uh, young people, um, university students. So we did not have time, enough money, sorry, um, to pay for a taxi. So we used to go um, to work. We, we used to walk to work and then go back home walking. Oh, wow. um, we had a lot of time to talk, to brainstorm, <laughs> all of that. And then um, we were just saying, well, maybe we can maybe we can find something. Maybe we can start a project or something. And that's how it started. Uh, of course, um, uh, I would describe my best friend and I as people who always um, thought of ideas and tried to make them happen. And that's exactly what we did. Um, we spent hours planning and um, describing how this, imagining, sorry, how this project would look like. And eventually we, uh, we went there um, to, um, to UNFPA and we said, this is a project plan. We think we can make it. How can you support us? And the main reason for Changemakers um, to, uh, the main reason for Changemakers, which was, uh, which it was uh, established for or founded for, is to reduce, is to reduce the gender gap in the tech fields. Mm -hmm. um, because 
as you know and everyone knows um technology or tech the tech-based uh, career pathway is very male dominant mm. um usually girls are afraid to take this step because sometimes they want to prioritize family they're making a family and um technology and spending a lot of hours behind the screen sometimes does not uh, uh, mean that um, you will have enough time for your family. So mm. girls are afraid to take this step. So we wanted to um, to start something um, to show girls first that there are role models uh, who are very good at doing both. Um, but more importantly, we wanted them to be aware of that field, um, to know that technology exists and they that they are capable uh, of doing exactly the same thing, exactly the same thing, um, and then make their own decision. Um, so the main activity for change makers is um, to provide programming courses to young people. Um, uh, very basic at first, and then by that they will uh, kind of for, uh, formulate an understanding and awareness of the field, and then they make their own decision. But we don't aim to make them um, professionals in programming because also we take young people at a very um, kind of relatively young young age. Mm -hmm. um, so they are uh, our participants or our target group is young people between 15 and 18. So they're they're still in their high school, but this is the perfect timing for them to make their own decision what they want to carry on as a career or an academic pathway. Absolutely. You're making it, uh, giving that awareness and sometimes something which is not even allowed to them at all. Um, it's really interesting to uh, to kind of expand upon this. The, the, the mission is incredible, but also the fact that you essentially start, set up a startup in the Middle East as, as, as a female. Um, and there are lots of challenges of entrepreneurship in the Middle East in general, and in particular for for as with some of the kind of the, the points you've mentioned for females to take charge. So could you describe some of those challenges as well as like, how were you able to overcome those barriers when you were, when you were setting this up? Um, yes. Uh, well, first, um, first thing, um, whenever you want to overcome a challenge, it's, it's not only important that you have this energy and stamina um, and the mindset that everything is doable, but it's also very important to have a network, a support, a supportive network around you. Um, so uh, the, the most important thing um, when we used to form a team is that this team shared um, kind of the same vision. It does not necessarily mean that this team uh, would approve or accept whatever idea we put on the table, but it means that this team has the same positive approach um, towards challenges, um, and of course shares uh, uh, the shares the same values. So yeah. um, the, the 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 achievement of gender equality, that opportunities must be equally distributed to everyone, mm -hmm. um, that they are enablers um, rather than just um, people who do their, their tasks. Um, so that's the, that's the first thing. Um, and then there is, of course, a challenge for 
every um, female who's trying to to do something right um, the the I think the the challenge uh, if we speak about teams is how you manage this team or how you lead that team yeah. um, so for females it's usually taken as um, uh, girls being too bossy um, so um, you always need to be careful am I too soft am I too hard uh, yeah. <laughs> am I am I giving too much too many instructions am I guiding well am I not am I being an enabler myself um, and of course um, uh, having this uh, this team uh, who shares the same values make it a lot easier yeah. um, so I would not say that I'm someone who uh, managed the team um, but I would say that I'm someone who worked with a very good team who was able to teach me a lot of things and made my journey really worthwhile um, so that's the first challenge but this is also how to um, how to tackle it so yeah. the first challenge is having um, people around you people who, whom you can trust and work with um, so it's very important to, to work to choose people very well um, those who share the same values yeah. um, of course other challenges for females um, usually from where I come from so originally first uh, I come from Syria um, and that's of course in the Middle East um, so yeah other challenges could be um, uh, girls are not uh, probably um, they probably uh, can't um, for example stay out late um, there are more hardships to access to fund um, it's uh, it's usually harder for them to travel, but that was kind of um, a while ago. I think the situation is um, yeah. is becoming really different now um, because we have more role models of successful women who brought a lot of benefits to their communities. So mm -hmm. I don't think that it's the same anymore. It's just a matter of um, how fast we are able to uh, to kind of spread uh, uh, via the multiplier multiplier effect, right? So one person creating um, creating a positive change, and then it's it's um, contagious to one another, and then these other people are moving it to um, or are transferring it to other people. So. Yeah. These are the challenges, but also another challenge uh, challenge for girls um, is um, uh, not having enough confidence in themselves. Um, so you can you can always see girls um, having less confidence of what they are capable of, um, what they can do, and how they can do it. Um, yeah. But, uh, of course, um, this is not the same, for example, for men. Um, so girls think that they are less capable, less capable of leading a team, which is completely untrue. I think it's, it's not about who, what gender you are. It's mm. about what kind of skills you have, right? So being yeah. a man does not make you a leader, and being a woman does not automatically mean that you are not capable of leading people. So mm. this is also another thing. So it's kind of a mix of technical um, uh, and cultural challenges. Absolutely. I think um, just like pick up on, on the little points through the through your through your kind of like conversation was um, absolutely having people around you that share your mission values and and drive to the overarching goal 
is is such a such a big thing um i completely uh, appreciate and, and feel the same way because um doing what we do you know even right now um this podcast is running because there are a, lot, a bunch of people who are making sure that things go ahead um so i can be the face while i have a, an incredible team making this happen so you're absolutely right once we have that kind of that that sense of belonging and believing the same overarching mission it just creates an incredible uh, incredible energy um and the final bit actually there's there's a statistic i'm not sure if you if i have no idea where i can like find a, a reference for it but there was a there was a fact which i i heard and it was really hard to hear where it was found that it was there was an incredible gap or the difference between the number of men who go up to their bosses and ask for a raise in their salary versus women and it's almost invariable that females won't ask for uh, an increase in salary or pay or even in many cases even ask for the money that they deserve especially if they're freelancers or doing um contract jobs they find it difficult to do that and it is you're absolutely right there are these cultural and social challenges these kind of um these these mantras that exist that prevent or stifle the energy and you know who 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 are better leaders than females like our mothers who lead our families and make sure that everything is is coming in and running on time you know why why cannot they be the best leaders in in, in general so a lot of things that i completely um, resonate with you and sorry because i'm like kind of like rambling on my own um <laughs> no, that, that's <laughs> I want to like talk about this other so you've you've been obviously looking at female entrepreneurship and you've also been looking at kind of space of stem and where technological awareness is not um available or just kind of given as as a pathway to 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 girls is there a link between the two is there a link why there's female entrepreneurship is not as as increasing or growing as it should be versus kind of the tech the the ability for them to get into stem Uh, have you noticed a link there uh well um i can't give you a definite answer um to that um but what I can what i can tell you is of course it's um uh everything is interconnected right so mm-hmm. when you encourage more girls to go into stem field then you're allowing for more ideas to grow then you're allowing for diversity you're celebrating um the uh the the number of ideas the vast pool uh, of ideas that you can have but when you um when you don't allow for girls to um to venture in in one field then you're overlooking a lot of potential mm-hmm. and um just um speaking about girls um so of course according to the world bank and many other statistics girls make half of the world's population um so imagine half uh, of the world's population's ideas are disregarded mm. then we are stuck with a one vision um or a one one approach to everything um which is which is not right um so i think it's not just about the linkages them and entrepreneurship it's about the linkages bet- uh, between everything entrepreneurship politics social life um economic advancements m- the medical field the agriculture the agriculture of course construction everything everything is very interconnected and just because um girls are not 
uh, quite involved in STEM, then this means you won't see a lot of ideas serving also girls' needs or, or sorry, fulfilling girls' needs. Um, because um, how could men, for example, know uh, what do you need for a period if you don't, if you don't have it? Yeah. Right? Yeah. So that's that's one simple example. So we need to celebrate more diversity. We need we need to embrace to embrace it um, in order to allow for more innovation and in order, of course, to allow for um, not just girls but everyone to thrive in which, whichever field they are good at. Very very powerful. Um, I, I as a as a fellow One Young World ambassador, I think you, you remember Professor Muhammad Yunus and his work where he empowered women in kind of rural parts of Bangladesh by giving them microloans and allowing them to essentially run their family's expenses and businesses um, and empowering their work, uh, allowing them to feed themselves, their husbands, their children. And it is, it is again, where we sometimes, we are so polarized in our views or in the way that because of patriarchal societies that we've we've forgotten a really crucial part of of, of society um with, with regards to health so many conditions and not not just about females i'm just mean in general because of the way research was conducted in, in earlier eras medicine uh, you know a lot of research into what how our bodies work has always been focused on a very stereotypical male of certain characteristics um and that means we have almost forgotten a huge percentage of the diversity that that exists within our within our world. I want to come back to the kind of the your perspective on the Middle East, um, because as I as I grew up there as well, I, I was really exposed to it. Um, I loved it. I think I, I I don't know where I belong to because I in some ways I belong to those kind of the cultures of sitting down and having kahwa and shy and you know all these kind of things. These are these are part of my being as well. But at the same time. Um, there are lots of kind of cultural barriers within that society. So I was wondering if you could kind of like, because you've you've built, you've been kind of survi surviving across this area, the kind of the whole world, global kind of space. Um, how do we kind of keep the tradition and the beautiful kind of cultural stories that we have about, from whether it's religious or story from kind of our geographies, but at the same time change the narrative about some of those more dogmatic approaches on how females should conduct themselves? Yeah. Uh, well, th I, I think this one is a very tough one um, because usually our lives are very, um, I mean, not usually, but a fact, our lives are very influenced by our traditions. Mm -hmm. And of course, you see a diversity of um, traditions, though those which are um, very, very good about, like, um, imagine, just like you mentioned, the, the setting around the uh ahwe and shy these are like the ones which um you grow a um a sense of belonging to a family yeah. um these um uh emotional attachments which you you don't really find in other places um so for example i remember my time when i was back in syria still living with my family um we had a specific time after dinner when we all sat regardless of what we had we had our cup of tea we um we chatted and then everyone went um to whatever pursue whatever they had to do but mm -hmm. we had that specific time also the time for breakfast for for lunch they were sacred times 
Um, but of course, also there are the other um, kind of bad influence. Um, I, 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 I wouldn't say bad traditions, um, but only bad influence, because it's also not, not necessarily that the tradition is bad, but maybe the way we interpret, interpret yeah. it and the way we apply it to our lives. Mm -hmm. um, so the stereotypical um, role of, of a female um, to get married, to get pregnant, to raise the child, but we missed that also the father had a has a very important role in raising the child, right? Because every child wants to see a superhero, a role model, not just a female, but also a male. Um, so I think uh, it's it's not uh, not just about um, the tradition, and it's it's a bit unfair um, to categorize traditions in bad and good. It's yeah. it's about how we interpret these and also how we transfer them to our offsprings um so um it's it's also about the um the environment around us um how parents told us these stories so for example in my family um i always had this um i saw the stereotypical um, image of, of females but i also was always um uh, my awareness was always raised that um, it's true that a female takes care of the house, um, but it's also very important that a female learns educate herself. Um, it might not be the, the 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 right opportunity at that time for girls to go to universities, um, to do stuff, but at least they raised my awareness as a child. So yeah. I think there is a lot of responsibility on us, um, the generation of fathers and mothers for the coming um, generation um, to raise their awareness, to tell them the beautiful stories mm -hmm. and to make sure that they receive these traditions in the best way possible so that they can interpret them and they can apply them in the best way um, possible, of course. I love that. I'm, this is so such a nice response. I, I, I feel like it's um, there's nothing more to add to it. I want to talk about um, one other aspect of your life, which is really interesting. Um, we're just chatting about it before we started. We went live. Um, the fact that you were studying a very technical science degree, you were studying biology uh, in Damascus, and then you transitioned to study a degree in business administration uh, here in the Netherlands. So what prompted that? Just tell us the story behind all of that. Yeah, well, the story is really long, but I'm going, I'm going to try to make it as short as possible. <laughs> um, so um, I wanted to be a genetic engineer. I wanted to be able to modify people's gen genes. Um, and that's because I thought that maybe um, there is something we can do to make this world so perfect that everyone has an equal life, everyone is healthy, everyone has as many opportunities as they want or whatever opportunities they wanted. And of course, I had this in my imagination that I could do it through genetic engineering. So I wanted to become a doctor and then a genetic engineer. Um, my high school grades were not sufficient enough for me to go to med school. So I had to do biology and I was very unhappy um, because of course in um, where I come from at that time, it was um, uh, a doctor or an engineer were very glorified yeah. and, and other professions were kind of looked um, uh, at as less professions, mm. uh, which, uh, which uh, um, I'm happy to say that this also um, uh, perspective is changing. Um, 
So back to my story. Um, so I continued doing biology and then the crisis, of course, um, uh, uh, hit the, the region. So people were kind of inter were, went through interrupted education, including myself. And during that, uh, during these um, interruptions, I was I was exposed to other experiences. So I got to know um, TEDx, I got to know Startup Weekend, th these kind of social events. And I really found myself there. I found that there is another way to actually change the world. It's mm -hmm. by interacting with the human beings. It's by inspiring them um, and um, insp bringing this change or inspiring for this change. So um, again, at that time, I did not have enough financial means. Um, so I just accepted accepted reality and kept going to biology to um, to the um, faculty of um, of sciences and, and doing biology. And then uh, two years ago, actually during the One Young World, um, I met a guy and we fell in love. And then I decided to come to the Netherlands. And I and I thought that. Um, it's a, probably the best time to for me to just quit um, because I really did not like it. I did not like biology. I, I did not find myself there. And I found myself somewhere completely different. I found myself in entrepreneurship and uh, working uh, with, the, with other people and founding stuff, establishing new things. Um, so I quit. Um, just a few months before graduation, um, and I packed my things, and I came to the Netherlands to start um, literally fresh. <laughs> wow, that's incredible. That's such a crazy story, but I'm. It's such a like, kind of like a inspirational story as well. Um, and I think we're coming kind of to the end of the episode. So, based off the story and based off everything that you've worked upon. Um, I'm sure some students or some some people are thinking, especially when they feel like because of many for forces or pressures, they feel like they need to do a certain thing or pursue a certain pathway. What what kind of piece of advice would you have for them uh, now that you're not just saying an advice? You're actually you've you've actually done it. You've you've quit months before graduating and started completely fresh. What would you yeah. say to them? Well, um, this is not always the best thing to do. So please, whoever is watching this, if you think that quitting um, just before graduation is the best idea, please do not. <laughs> so this is the first thing. We don't want to be sending um, false messages. But what I wanted to, to say is um, follow your passion um, to the um, to the largest extent you can. Mm. Um, so for me, I knew that if I, I make this um, choice, I'm going to be happier. Um, and then I just did it because I, I knew that there there was my passion, but I also had my my support, my network of support. So my husband supported me. My family did not really support me, just to say that, because they were just too afraid that I'm going to start fresh um, in a in a um, in a foreign country. What if I lose my opportunity to education? Um, I would not say they actually did not support. I would say that they were just um, caring and worrying about me mm. um, because, of course, they also wanted the best for me. Um, so make sure that when you take such hard decisions that you have at least one person who actually have your, uh, who have who has your back. 
um, not financially, not logistically, but at least emotionally. Yeah. Um, and we can see the power of emotional support, um, not just in doing the things that just as simple as quitting university, but also with cancer survivors. Um, because also my mom was a cancer, is a cancer survivor. And I think without my father, she wouldn't have been able to make it. Um, so it's very important to know when to quit and what kind of um, what kind of uh, support systems you need so that you have these also with you and then you take this step. So it's, it's important to know when and how to take this step. Amazing. A very, very scientific way of explaining the, <laughs> this, this quitting process as well. Amazing. Thank you so much, Salam. It's been really, really uh, insightful speaking with you. Uh, I hope you have a lovely day and we'll talk later. Thank you. Um, thank you. Very, it, was, it was my pleasure to be there. Absolutely. Take care. Bye. Bye.